From the EBKV studios in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you're listening to Brotherly Pod, the official podcast of BrotherlyPuck.com. Welcome everybody to Brotherly Pod. I am your host, Dan the Flyer of Fan. It is crossover week here on Brotherly Pod. Well, the end of crossover week, and wanted to save maybe my favorite guest for last. Uh, my guest tonight, he is the man responsible for unleashing the Brotherly Puck brand on the world. Uh, he is my co-founder of Brotherly Puck. Uh, Garrett Parker's here tonight. Garrett, man, how you doing? Man, that is a huge honor. Thank you so much. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. Now that the Flyers have given us a little life again, they are 36, 30, and 8 through uh, 74 games. They have uh, 80 points. They have 8 left. They are 14 points out of first place in the Metro. They are 11 points out of third place, currently held by Pittsburgh. They are 7 points out of the first wildcard spot held by Carolina. Only 5 away from the second wildcard spot, which is currently held by Montreal. Columbus is in there as well. They are 4 points away from them. They are getting closer. Uh, After they fell apart last week, they lost to the Capitals and Leafs. They have won three straight against Pittsburgh, Montreal, and Chicago. Those games have not really been pretty, but thanks to Carter Hart and James Van Riemsdyk, this team has uh, essentially given themselves at least a little bit of a chance to uh, still make the playoffs. Yeah, it seems like they keep getting our hopes back up. Just when we think everything's lost, they come back with a few wins, and uh, I'm not sure how to feel about it, honestly. I mean, their odds are at 1.6% after tonight so uh you know not a whole lot there to go off of but just enough that there is a a small chance you know if things go their way which you know as far as the other teams losing hasn't really gone their way you know they really haven't gotten a whole lot of help and when they have they have blown it themselves i believe the last couple games against washington and toronto uh, when they lost those games i think montreal and columbus lost quite a few as well so they didn't gain any ground there so it has been very difficult for the flyers to really catch up to these teams because they can't catch a break in the standings above them right right and with that washington game i have a little bit of a bone to pick with that one just because i i don't believe it was the right call to to throw Hart back in right then. Um, I, I understand he's your number one goaltender. You're going to look to him for big games, but any goalie coming off of an injury like that, I just don't think it's it's going to be beneficial to meet one of the hottest teams in the league. Yeah, he should have gotten the start earlier in the week against Ottawa is what should have Definitely. happened. Let him work right. him way in instead of throwing him against the Capitals, who, again, are been on a tear lately. They are atop the Metro division as we speak. Then, you know, they, they I mean, there was not really a good time besides the Senators game. I mean, uh, since then, they've played Washington, Toronto, Pittsburgh, Montreal, Chicago, and they really no good time after this. So I, that should have been the time they threw hard in there. Let him get his feet wet again. You know, obviously, he didn't look as sharp against the Capitals. He really didn't look too sharp in his last couple starts before his injury either so I I think they should have let him go against Ottawa though if I remember correctly that Ottawa game is not very pretty either but 
you know, that's just typical flyers these days that uh, they don't like to do things easy. They like to make things as difficult as possible rather than going out there and beating opponents. That has really been the story of this three-game win streak is they're winning on paper, but man, oh man, they are they are taking a beating during these games. Yeah, they're, they're heavily relying on goaltending, um, just getting peppered with shots, uh, not, not doing much to suppress those shots, just praying that nothing goes in and they can take it back down the ice. Yeah, they have been relying on Carter Hart pretty much since the day he took over. Uh, Carter Hart is the second goalie in NHL history next to Patrick Lalime in the 1996-97 season to have four 40 safe wins in the season. Uh, you know, that's <laughs> that's even crazier considering his first game was December 18th and he's only played 26 games. Four of those 26 games he has had 40 saves and a win. You know, most of these games he's making, you know, the high 30s and 40 saves. That's insanity for a kid who's 20 years old. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous, and especially lately, the shots, it's not like they've been just a ton of low-quality shots. I mean, he's really had to work at these. Yeah, you know, the team, I mean, this has been going on for years and years and years, and it happened a lot during the Steve Mason era as well, that the team is just kind of like, eh, well, who needs to play defense? You got a good goaltender back there. You can make the saves. This is all on you. And now they're doing the same thing with Carter Hart. You look at Carter Hart. He is at uh, shots against here, 41, 35, 42, 31, 38, 38, 27, 32, 42, 44, 25, 32, 35, 42, 38, 38, 36, 32, 36, and 32. That's insane. It, it's, it's ridiculous. In the last four games since he's come back from injury, he's faced 149 shots total. Oh, my God. That, that's not a ton of help from the – the team in front of them there. No, it's just, it's kind of the biggest thing. And, uh, and that's why, you know, I'm more convinced they need to do something in the summer, you know, in terms of spicing up this defense a little bit, but you know, it's good that Hart can handle this kind of pressure, but he shouldn't have to face this kind of pressure. No, it's, it's really a trial by fire. Uh, it, they're just throwing him in there. And I mean, it seems like with this coaching staff, if, if you're getting wins, you're playing. Uh, you're, you're not gonna. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna be sat for another goaltender. So, it's kind of do or die. You just. You're gonna keep facing all those shots until you let a few too many in, and then it's the next guy's turn. Yeah, I mean, even Brian Elliott. Let's uh, looking at his numbers here. He was 51 shots against oh. in the Toronto game. But, I mean, even still, 30, 40, 36, 43, 31, 30, 33, 27, 32, 48, 34, 25. Like, these are a lot of shots on net very consistently. And this has been, again, this has been a theme, not just this season for Carter Hart, but it's been a theme for years and years and years, is that the team defense overall is essentially non-existent. Yeah, and I, I don't know how much of that to attribute just to the defensemen, Um I, I know defense is a little young right now. I mean, mistakes are going to be made. But if it's been an issue for, for so long and you have Rick Wilson come in, who supposedly is one of the best defensive minds in hockey, and still we're facing those high shot games, you have to wonder if there's something else going on there, maybe from forwards not helping out as much as they should be, as much as 
forwards on other teams do, or if it is just the the personnel. I, I think they do lack good two-way forwards. You know, they have Scott Lawton and they have Sean Couturier. Giroux is in there as well, but, you know, especially over the last two, three years, they've really tried to limit Giroux and Couturier's minutes, you know, on the penalty kill and kind of playing that two-way game and letting them focus more on offense. And, you know, Scott Lawton, who I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot tonight, has has stepped up to the plate this season. He's been very, very good. But I, I do think they need more players. And again, something that they're going to need to address this summer, they need to kind of figure out guys that they can add in their bottom six that can really play a solid two-way game. You know, this is something that Ron Hextall tried to do for years, and instead he failed miserably by bringing in guys like Boyd Gordon, you know, who's supposed to fix the penalty kill. You know, and he played one game and got sent down. So I think the it's just about the team at this point. It's about more of a team effort. You can't keep letting Carter Hart hang out to dry like this because this is how guys get hurt. This is how they get run into the ground and get hurt is when they're facing 40 shots a night every night. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm a little bit bummed out that we missed out on one guy in particular who I think would have been perfect in Mark Stone. Mm-hmm. Um, just just in that you know defensive aspect. I mean, he's he's a top six player but he's also one of the most well-rounded players in the league. And I thought he was definitely somebody the flyer should have taken a run at. Yeah, I think so as well. And I think if the circumstances were different, maybe they would have, if they were in more of a playoff position, Um, you know, it's weird for teams that are out of the, the playoffs to kind of be buyers at the trade deadline, especially somebody the caliber of Mark Stone. But again, this goes back to, you know, Hextall over the summer. You had guys like Ryan O'Reilly and Tyler Bozak and, you know, these good two-way guys that were, you know, moved around that, you know, Hextall could have tried to acquire but didn't. You know, this is, it's not strictly on Fletcher. It's not strictly on Hextall either. But man, this is something that is very noticeably lacking on most nights. And again, you know, the defense is good, but they themselves are not fantastic, especially defensively. It's just, it's a huge gap here. And it's going to be something that if they don't change it soon, you know, they they could see Hart, you know, get overworked and get overwhelmed. And you really don't, you don't want this kid to be forced to make 40 saves on a nightly basis. You just don't. You don't want to pressure him that much at 20 years old. You know, it's just, it's too much for the kid. And I think that should be priority number one this season is finding guys that are going to be better defensively. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully some of that organizational inaction is is taken away by Fletcher and he's actually able to do something in the offseason besides a Boyd Gordon or Dale Weiss. Yeah. You know, it's, I think, I think I, I don't know. <laughs> there's a part of me that wants to really truly believe Fletcher, Fletcher is going to have a big summer. And then there's the other part of me that has PTSD from Ron Hextall going, Oh man, nothing's going to change at all. <laughs> and uh, right. it's just, I think he's going to make a move. There's enough players around this summer, you know, whether via free agency or trade that, Anything could happen, and I think that's going to be a... It's going to be a big one. I, I think Gordon needs to have a big summer. There, there's no excuse to not have a big summer. You know, whether it's, again, free agency or trade, they have enough assets to go out and make multiple trades. You know, this team is on the brink of something special, and a few players, you know, added in key roles could be just what they need to really, you know, take this team to the next level. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think... I think this off season the expectations are a little bit higher to do something like that, not only from the fans, but from higher ups in the Flyers organization. I think everybody 
was getting impatient with Hextall, and I'm really hoping they give Fletcher the room to just go crazy. Br- bring me to Capel, I don't care. There you go. I think um, let, let's talk about some other players here that have been very successful lately. James Van Riemsdyk, who was signed last summer. Yeah, I was kind of down on the signing originally. You know, it was kind of like, hey, Ron Hextall finally made a move. But yeah, it's not necessarily <laughs> a guy they needed in terms of position. Again, I would still have liked the Ryan O'Reilly or Paul Stastny or, you know, somebody more you know, fitting of a role, but Van Riemsdyk really has turned it on here lately. He has 11 goals in his last 13 games. He has 20 goals in his last 31, which is the most in the NHL in that span. He has 26 goals and 44 points on the season through 58 games. Uh, He missed a month uh, in the first month due to injury. You know, over a full year, he would be essentially where he usually is in the high 50s, low 60s in points. He does look good. He he will probably break 30 goals this season, at least hit the 30-goal mark. So overall, you know, it's not a failure of Van Riemsdyk, but, you know, he definitely just... He's a guy that we talked about this earlier in the week, kind of being one of those depth guys. You know, his numbers are going to look good. He's going to produce the offense, but he's not necessarily a guy that's going to carry your team like a Couturier or Giroux. So he's nice, but, you know, those numbers are good. He's going to hit 30 goals. He's going to have a good season. Hopefully he can go back next year fully healthy. But, you know, I just, I've never been overly thrilled with Van Riemsdyk. But uh, I think moving forward, he should continue to be a key piece in this Flyers offense. Yeah, he's not a especially dynamic player. But he does what he knows how to do best, which is just get to the dirty area and score goals. I mean, I've, I've been saying it since January. He's been on his usual pace. I mean, he's going to come in a little bit under. He, it might be a stretch to say he'll hit 50 points, but he he can get close. Um, I mean, even with the missing time, he's still getting close to his usual pace. And I mean, people are going to say he's soft. They're going to say he's bad defensively. But we didn't we didn't pay him to go out there and rough people up and you know be the hardest back checker. Um, I I really think he's he's doing what he's paid to do. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think he's doing he's doing everything that he's supposed to be doing. You know, he's obviously not the most complete player, you know, which does lead to some people saying, oh, well, he shouldn't be on the line. I don't care. He's, he's going to score. You know, I, I don't think he's been as relevant on the power play as I was expecting him to be, but overall, he's still scoring, so I don't, it doesn't, you know, it kind of evens itself out there at the end. Um, another man, Sean Couturier, who has been just absolutely on fire lately. 31 goals, 41 assists. This season, he is four points away from tying his career high of 76 from last year. Couturier has been, again, just like James and Reamsdyke, you know, once Dave Haxtell was gone, he turned it on, and he has just been just playing out of his mind good lately. This this might be a little bit controversial. I think we are witnessing Sean Couturier become the star of the Flyers right now. I mean, just watching him on the ice when he's on, he, he has the ability to command a game. He, he controls the ice when he's out there. I think he's one of the most complete players in the NHL. Um, I mean, in his first 14 games, he, he or in his first 20 games, he did start slow. He had 14 points. Uh, in his last 20 games, 28 points. So he doubled what he put up in the, in the first 20 games of the season. And d- doesn't seem like he's, uh, he's slowing down much. You think he's going to be in consideration for the Selkie this year? 
Absolutely. I think I think it's going to be between him, Patrice Bergeron, and believe it or not, Mark Stone. That's possible. I think it's going to be Bergeron just because it's his award anymore, and the NHL hates the Flyers anyway. So, <laughs> well, you you never know with with the writers who who picked the award. I, I think it's the writers who yeah who, who choose that. I mean, so, seeing that he he missed those games is going to be a, a strike on that vote. So it's it's a crapshoot, really. Yeah, I I, I think. I don't know. He definitely should be considered. I just think it's going to be Bergeron, especially the Flyers missing the playoffs. I feel like that's going to impact the vote as well. Um, But I think you're right. I think Couturier is kind of really just the leader of the team at this point. You know, I think Giroux is still good, but he's getting to a point in age where one has to wonder how much he has left in the tank in terms of producing at, you know, the 70, 80 point pace. He's doing well this season. He has played well this year and he's, but I think that's kind of where Giroux should be best at this point in his career, where he's not the top guy anymore. He can just kind of be more the secondary guy and just continue to produce points, but not necessarily have the whole weight of the team on his shoulders. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's not losing that pass. I mean, he's going to be able to to feed people no matter what. I do think keeping him at wing is going to be very beneficial to his longevity. Um, he's This season... He's been playing a lot of penalty kill. Um, he's had to be a lot more, or not a lot more defensive, but he's had to keep up his his defense just like any other season. And I think that eventually is going to wear him down. So keeping him at wing, uh, lift, lifting the load a little bit from him will be will be great for his longevity. Yeah, that was one of the very few things that I kind of agreed with Dave Haxtell on for you know for the most part was he tried to remove some of that you know, the, the defensive responsibility off of Giroux and kind of let him play, uh, serve as more of a scoring forward. And, you know, Gordon, for the most part, has put a lot of that back on. He's still uh, he's still doing well. He has 20 goals, 59 points, 70, or uh, 59 assists, rather, 79 points through 74 games. So this is still one of his better seasons. He's not going to come anywhere near his 102 points from last year, but I don't think really anybody expected him to. Uh, the fact that this is still his second best point total since the 2013-14 season, though, uh, it's good. It's good to see that he's still producing at this level. Again, I think the more you can just kind of give him the more or less the Alex Ovechkin role of just letting him stand in the circle and pass to people and setting up these goals, that's probably where he's best served at this point in his career. But, you know, he can still carry the 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 burden of this team and I don't think he has to I think they definitely need to start you know building players around that and obviously people are oh the Morgan Frosts are going to come in and fix that well that may be a few years before he's able to carry the load that you know Giroud Couturier do but I think for the in the least in the short term I don't think there's a whole lot to worry about in Claude Giroud yet no no I think I think we're pretty solid with Giroud there I do think possibly this offseason maybe getting a guy to to take over that uh, top line left wing spot and maybe moving Drew down and just beefing up the uh, the lineup would would be a a possibility. Yeah, I, I think so as well. And I think adding you know adding somebody that can score again, I, I would, the Panarins of the world. You know whether the Flyers have a legitimate shot at somebody like that. You know who knows, but if he can come in and you know take some of that top six burden, you know, top line weight and carry some of that and just kind of let Giroud do his own game without having to worry about everything else. That's what they need right now. They just, they need to 
they need to savor Claude Giroux. And I get they still rely on him, and he's still a very good player overall, and especially on the penalty kill, but like, you know, he's getting to that age. He's, uh, he's what, 30? 31. He's, yeah, 31. 31 in January. So it's like, you know, how, I don't want to be like, how many more years does he have? But how many more years does he have? Three, four, five till he starts to, you know, seriously decline. You know, you got to yeah, yeah. start building, you know, somebody to help replace him. I think Couturier is doing a good job. But, you know, other than him, they don't really have anybody who can immediately replace what Giroud does. No, and that's that. That's what makes me a little bit uncomfortable with, you know, hyping up the prospects so much. Oh, this guy's going to be able to replace Drew. This guy's going to be the next Lindros. You know, it's it's okay to to be excited about these prospects, but um, you need to be a little bit realistic and maybe more strongly consider outside help through trades or or U- UFA acquisitions. Yeah, I <laughs> I ranted about this for a good 20 minutes on Monday night with Isaiah. You know, I, I can't stand people that put weight on these prospects. You know, Morgan Frost, m- listen, Morgan Frost very well may come in and be the next Claude Giroux. He may come in and carry the burden in this team, but we don't know that yet. So saying that he's going to come in and carry this team, it's a lot. You know, it's a lot to not only put on his shoulders as to kind of build him up like that, but it's a lot for him to, you know, execute on the ice. You can't just say that Morgan Frost, just because he's having a good junior career, is going to come in and be a bona fide star at the NHL. You need to go get some proven talent to build this team. Yeah, absolutely. I remember it, it wasn't too far off ago that we were confident that Morgan Frost was making the team this year. Mm-hmm. And he just happened to not be ready. He had to spend some more time in junior, which is fine. Um, he's putting up big numbers. He is a little bit older than all of the other kids down there. But um, it, it's not going to be immediate, no, no matter what you think. I mean, maybe maybe we just get that one in a million chance, but it's, it's definitely going to take time. And while they're taking that time, the prospects are taking that time to develop you have Giroux getting older and uh, that that's where the outside help comes in. Yeah, that was the that was the biggest flaw for me in Ron Hextall's philosophy of building through the kids. It's like, that's great that you got some talented prospects, but you're completely ignoring the current team. You know, he had he had his current team and he had his future plans, but he had no plans to get from point A to point B. And it's kind of that team now where you know, he wasted, you know, two, three, four years of Drew's career playing these games of, oh, we're not ready yet, and we can't get this guy, and we can't get make this team better. But, you know, it's kind of crunch time now. And again, I think that's why a whole lot of weight falls on Chuck Fletcher, because it's his opportunity, it's his chance, it's his responsibility now to go out and beef this team up in the next, you know, year or two to really kind of squeeze whatever they can out of the last few good productive years of Claude Giroux. Yeah, uh, surprisingly, Chris Vandevelde wasn't the answer. Yeah, shocker, <laughs> I know. Yeah, crazy. It's just, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I think, 
he he Ron Ron Hextall did the right thing building prospects. He he rebuilt our pipeline, and there are some promising guys in the way. But I think even relying on Morgan Frost next season may be asking a lot. I I I have a good feeling he's probably going to start the season with the Phantoms, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with letting your kids season until they're ready. I don't have a problem with that, but at the same time, you can't ignore your NHL lineup waiting for these kids to be ready because it could take years. Yeah, it's frustrating. It, it's felt like the last, what, six, seven, eight years have just been a purgatory. It's just been waiting and kind of filling in the gas with, I guess you could call them NHL players, but they're right on the fringe. Um, and just no real progress, and that's what I'm hoping to see change with Chuck Fletcher. They've been two or three years away from being two or three years away for two or three years now. It's painful. Yeah. It's 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 a, it's a waiting game that again, the fruits are there, you know, you got the guys that Hextall drafted and you know, obviously Carter Hart's here and all that fun stuff, but man, you there's just this it's the same result. You know, they're borderline play. How long now has this team been a borderline playoff team? They made it past the first round in 2012 and even then that team, you know, wasn't fantastic. And they made the finals in 2010. That was nine years ago. Jeez. They they just, it's just, it's time to land that big fish and really kind of take this team in a new direction. It is. I, I don't want to see them play it ultra safe like they have been anymore. I'm, I'm ready. And I think most of the fans are ready to just get out of the first round. I mean, making the playoffs would even be nice at this point. It, it absolutely would, and you know, it's just, it's, I don't know. This is one of those things that I could just rant about for hours because it, it drives me nuts. I this is a team that there's so many good pieces here. You know, the the defense is kind of coming together now, and you got quite a few stars up front. You got you're obviously got your goaltender of the future in Carter Hart. Like there is no excuse. You, you know, Chuck Fletcher cannot sit down you know, come September and be like, well, I tried, but nothing happened, you know, kind of like the Ron Hextall of, well, oh, this guy wasn't the right fit, or we couldn't get this guy for anything, or I didn't want to bring in the 35-year-old. You can't have excuses this summer. There are no excuses for not doing something. Absolutely. And I think, or I hope Chuck Fletcher sees the same issues that I see, which is, you know, getting another center that can maybe help shelter Nolan Patrick, take over that 2C role, have Nolan at 3C, and uh, get, a, get a solid right-handed defenseman, and then figure out what's happening with goaltending. I mean, I know it's not that easy to, to do that in real life, but that's reality. That's what this team needs to be able to succeed. Yeah, you know, it's one of the things that drives me crazy. I've seen on Flyers Twitter lately about, oh, well, the Flyers' top four defensemen are here now, and Nolan Patrick looks like a legitimate second-line center. We don't, They don't need to add anybody, and that's bullshit. You need to add. Nolan Patrick is playing well, but the offense still isn't coming. You know, you got your top four defensemen, which are good, but they're all relatively young. You know, there's still a whole lot of room to grow, and I think Myers and Sandheim are legitimate players, and they're going to be good, and Pat, or, uh, Provorov has gotten better, and Gostaspir has gotten better. But that doesn't mean you don't add anything. 
you know, this team adding a legitimate second-line center who can bounce down to the third line, you know, flip-flop with Nolan Patrick if necessary, and adding a top-four defenseman who can take some minutes away from some of these kids so they don't have to play 25, 30 minutes a night. You know, you got... It's just... It's so important to add these guys to alleviate the pressure off of Nolan Patrick and the pressure off of Provorov to let them develop at their own rate. You know, I think th- and pa- Patrick has done a very good job to this point, kind of handling the pressure. And he, his hockey IQ is through the roof, but the offense just isn't coming. If you find a second line center, you know, I'm not thrilled about the idea, but somebody like Duchesne, you bring Matt Duchesne in who, you know, can produce points. There you go. You Now you don't have to rely on Nolan Patrick for that second, third line role. You can, use him and Patrick as needed for different roles. And that's what this team needs right now is some help to, you know, diversify what their young kids are doing. Absolutely. And it's going to be a little bit painful because I think in order to, to get the guys you need, you will have to part ways with, with some of these prospects, maybe even Gostas bear. And it'll, it'll be a firestorm on flyers Twitter. Oh yeah. But teams aren't just giving up guys for for you know a couple third round picks in reality it's it's going to take one of these one of these kids that you think might change the franchise in order to get a guy who is proven in the nhl yeah can't wait for the day somebody like isaac ratcliffe is traded and flyers twitter freaks out because somebody got moved but uh, you know it's just it, if you trade somebody like a Ratcliffe or, or, you know, Farabee or O'Brien, whatever. If you trade one of them for a legitimate NHLer that comes in and makes a difference, you know, I don't see a problem with that because you have other guys, you have Frost. If you you can get rid of one or two of them and still have multiple very talented players in the system. So it's not like they have one guy that they're losing. You know, this isn't like it was in, you know, 2012 if they traded whoever the hell was still around, Scott Lawton. You know, if they had the dream of Scott Lawton in 2012, oh, no, we can't trade this guy. He's the lone prospect in our entire system. You know, it's not like that anymore. They have enough bodies around that they can part with one or two of them, bring in some NHL-caliber proven players, and still have some promising young players to come. Hey, man, don't don't forget my man Jason Akison. Oh, there you go. Good Lord. The chosen one. Yeah. What's he up to and- these days? <laughs> Jason I don't know. Let's see. Pro- probably still better off than me. That's probably true. Uh, <laughs> and here's see. a beautiful part about those prospects. You get a draft every year. Every year you're going to be able to restock the cupboard. It'll be interesting to see how Fletcher's first draft goes. I think a lot of the scouting department's been left untouched. But, I mean, the cupboard's going to restock. He is in Germany right now, playing in the DEL. There you go. Really? I wonder if his team's going to make the playoffs. I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, yeah, you know, I think they got rid of Hextall, and they got rid of, I believe, their uh, head scouting guy. What was his name? Chris Pryor, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, again, it's going to be interesting to kind of see what happens there, but uh, you know, they're picking around 15 this year unless they win the lottery or, you know, make the playoffs. And I don't expect either one of those things to happen. So, you know, 14, 15, 16, it's a mid-round pick. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not a prospect guy. I'm not going to pretend to be a prospect guy. So I don't know what they're dealing with, you know, this year. But, you know, it's still, it's a, 
mid-round pick. You should still expect something here. They'll probably get somebody good. You know, I'm not worried about losing a guy or two. You know, as I think you can, as long as you keep Frost and Farabee, which I believe are their two best right now, you should be solid. You know, you can move the, the Ratcliffs and the Allisons and, you know, other guys around to get some talent because that's what they need. They You, you, you can't rely on prospects forever. Right. This is all in German. What is going on? Kolner High. Kolner, Kolner High. Hmm. I don't speak German. I don't know what any of this is. Who yeah, knows if they're making it. the playoffs? Hmm. <laughs> Eurohockey.com. Let's see. Is this in English? Kinda. There, there was actually a point where he was one of our most hyped prospects. Uh huh. Yeah. He and Ben Holmstrom is... and oh god, oh. bringing <laughs> back a dark time. Huh. Sharks eliminate Berlin. I don't know what that means. I don't know if they're making the playoffs or not. Hmm. Jason Axon, there he is. Hmm. Anyway, let's talk. Let's talk your favorite player, huh? Let's talk Scott Lawton. Yes. He is uh, the Brotherly Puck Awards, the Mike Knubel Most Improved Player Award. Spoiler alert, everybody. Scott Lawton's going to win that. Um... I had a lot of people suggest Travis Sanheim, but I think Sanheim's always been good. He was just kind of smothered under Hackstall, and he's now given the chance to play uh, under uh, Gordon and has played very well. Lawton, on the other hand, has been around for years. I've always liked Scott Lawton, but, you know, this season he took it to a whole new level. His offense uh, is at career high, uh, 12 goals, 16 assists, 28 uh, points. Those are all career highs for him. You know, he has not developed offensively like we thought you know there's so many times this season where i was shaking my fists at the tv watching the flyers games going he should have buried that (laughs) but for the most part it's his two-way play overall that has been spectacular this year he's been probably the most consistent flyer from day one and i mean he is a legitimate force in the bottom six yeah i don't think he gets enough credit for everything he brings to the table he can he can, you know, center that that third, fourth line, perfect bottom six. He can play the PK. Right now, I think he's up to close close to 15 minutes time on ice per game. And, uh, yeah, 28 points is his highest season before this was 21 points. So he's – I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but with with those numbers, he's he's been stepping it up quite a bit. And I think if – in the offseason, Fletcher does decide to go for a 2C. Scott Lawton is just about the perfect 4C. Probably one of the best in the league. Yeah, you know, I, I saw a tweet. I don't remember who it was from, but I saw a tweet the other week that said, Scott Lawton is what you should demand your bottom six players to be like. Because he's that good. And he is. He, he, he just, he has developed so much over the last couple years, and I think he still has more to go. If he can really turn that offense on, you know, I think the fact that he really hasn't played with a whole lot of offensively gifted players has hurt a little bit. But, man, if he could find a way to turn that offense on, he could be, you know, just an absolute force in the bottom six. Again, maybe one of the best in the whole league. Yeah, he he's definitely great in a bottom six role. It does get a little frustrating when you see him 
get a breakaway or a two on one because he's he can be one of the faster guys on, out on the ice. But it seems like the, the finish just is never there for him, which is unfortunate. Yeah, it's just it's happened all season. He had the uh, uh, stretch uh, from early March when he had four goals in five games. But you know, other than that, it's just like it seems like every time he gets close to the net, he just he just can't finish. And if he could if he could figure out how to score some goals, man, he could be a he could be a force. Well, this, all this is in German. How am I? The playoffs are going on in the DEL right now, but this is all in German. I don't know why I care this much about Jason Axon, but. <laughs> We need to start covering German leagues. We do. Brotherly Puck Germany. There has to be a, an available German writer I can find. Time for expansion. It is. Take this overseas. <laughs> hmm. Well, let's talk about my favorite player, Samuel Moran. Why oh, is he not playing hockey? Because, uh, I guess Robert... Robert Hag's just too good. Fuck. Robert Hag's not good. I, you know, that's another thing. It <laughs> drives me quite... I, I, all day long, I hear excuse. Oh, you can't play Sam. He's rusty. He's slow. He's tired. He's developing. Meh, 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 meh. And then the Flyers game comes on, and then everybody just tears apart Gudis and Hag all game long. And it's like, make up your mind, people. You can't hate one and then hate what they have on the ice at the moment. You, I just... You're going to play the Islanders on Saturday. Tomorrow. The, anybody remember what happened last time the Flyers played the Islanders? I do. <laughs> You're going to go out there and not play Samuel Moran, the only guy that is going to stick up for any of these players. Man, they're going to get killed. It, it seems like the perfect opportunity to get him in there, um, especially when you have a guy like Hag taking up space in the lineup. I'm not a you know, possession metrics expert, or I don't know statistics too well. But according to people who do, he is the worst defenseman in the league. The worst defenseman in the NHL. And he's still getting around 15 minutes a game. I don't think it would hurt the lineup too bad to replace him with, well, any other defenseman, but especially Sam Moran. And that's the other thing. It's like, it's not even like there's six guys in front of him that are so phenomenally good that they can't take him out. You got four good guys. You got Gudis, who's in the middle of the road. Who cares? And you got Robert Haig, who's just the dirt worst. You know, I've defended Robert Haig for a long time, but I just can't do it anymore. His play recently has been so damn miserable. You know, and, and it's not even that. You got, you know... <sighs> Moran is eighth on the depth chart right now. They even consider Andrew McDonald ahead of the guy. Like, what is going on? <sighs> I don't know. I just... You recalled him early from his rehab stint. He only played two games when he could have played three. And then he's been sitting in the press box. The guy's not going to get any better. He's not going to get any healthier. He's not going to get any, you know, more prepared sitting in the box. Let him play. What do you have to lose? They have 1.6% chance to make the playoffs with eight games left. Okay, unless a friggin' miracle happens, it's not going to happen. They're not going to make it. You know, I get Gordon is coaching for his job, and I get he needs to try and pretend to ice the best line of every night, but you cannot tell me that there is a good reason to sit Samuel Moran. No, and you have Scott Gordon there who coached Sam. Yes! For, for a few years. He knows what he brings to the table. And I guess, I don't know if it's superstition or he doesn't want to shake things up, but it's 
it's your six, six, five, six D. I don't think it's going to make a huge difference. It shouldn't. And I mean, he can't be worse than Haig. So what's the point? I just, it's, it, <laughs> it's almost <sighs> impossible for him to be worse. I, oh, I just, I don't get him. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Then he's going to play the last game or two of the season. That's the other thing. Oh, he's going to play when they're mathematically eliminated. I call bullshit on that one too. That's just an excuse to not play him. And at this rate, they're going to be mathematically in it until probably the last two or three games. So <laughs> then he gets, let's say he does play. Then he gets one or two games in. What can you tell from one or two games? And then you you have this, this kid who hasn't played in I don't know how long. It's It's been a while for sure. It's been sure. over a month since he played with the Phantoms. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to expect him to go back down to the Phantoms and oh, jump right into playoff hockey. Right into playoff hockey. This poor kid. Stupid team. Let's talk about another player that's MIA. Cam Talbot. They acquired this guy to be the backup. Backup of the future, because he's Carter Hart's bestie in the offseason. Then they have proceeded to pl- not play him at all. He has one start and one relief appearance. He's played 93 minutes of ice time in over a month that he's been here. They traded Anthony Stolarz, who for quite some time was forming a decent tandem with Carter Hart. You know, <laughs> I just, I can't, I, look, I'm not the big Cam Talbot fan. I, I don't even like that I have to stick up for the guy, but if you're going to bring him in, why not play him? Sorry, I forgot he was on the team for a while there. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you and I kind of disagreed on Twitter when this trade happened. I thought Talbot would be a great addition. I thought maybe he had a couple down years, but that was on a terrible Edmonton team. And, I mean, as of right now, we don't know who's right because Cam Talbot hasn't touched the ice in however many games. I mean, he's looked good. When he came in in relief, he allowed one goal in his first shot, but he played very well after that. That was against the... Wait for the page alone here. That was against the uh, Capitals. And then he started the game against the Devils, uh, where he allowed three goals and 33 shots. You know, he's looked good, but he's only played two games since February 9th, which it's crazy. You bring in a guy... The most important thing is he needs a contract. How can you offer a guy a contract when you have no idea what he's going to bring to the table? You know, his numbers career-wise have been all over the place. He had a 940 save percentage with the Rangers. And then he did, you know, an 893 save percentage with the Oilers. You know, (laughs) who are you going to sign? What guy are you going to sign? Because one of those guys is an elite goalie. The other one of them is a backup in the AHL. Yeah, and you have to, to wonder what his outlook and his agent's outlook is on this. Because... I'm assuming he's not the happiest guy right now. I probably mean, not. He's probably ecstatic to get out of Edmonton. And then he gets introduced to the Flyers bench, and that's where he stays. Yeah, he's having, enjoying the press box. If one thing worries me about Chuck Fletcher, it's it's stuff like this. It's stuff like the Hackstall firing that was rocky. And then acquiring a guy and and not doing anything with him when... You know he's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. You know Stolarz probably would have been an RFA. There would have been a probably a better chance to keep him around. And you just look at stuff like, yeah, Hackstall, uh, the Dale Weiss situation. It, none of those have gone very smoothly. 
It's like he just wakes up one morning and goes, huh, we're going to trade Anthony Stollars. Oh, we're going to fire the coach. Or we're going to trade Dale Weiss. I don't know. He just, nothing has gone very smooth. And it's the fact that he's not playing guys like Talbot and Moran, who you should be evaluating both of those guys. And that's the other thing. It's not just like, I just want him played. You need to give Cam Talbot a contract. And Sammy Moran is still a prospect that should reasonably be, you know, seeing what he has under his belt. What? There's no reason to not give these two guys a chance. It's, yeah, it's it's ridiculous, especially when you see what Gordon has done with other players that he brought up in Lehigh Valley. Like Lindblom, he's allowed him to flourish. Lindblom so and Sanheim and Myers and, you know, all the guys that he worked well with, he gave a chance to, and they all played really well. Yeah, I... I really don't. I, I'm frustrated, and I don't even care about Moran, Moran very <gasps> much. I mean, essentially, he's a hospital patient that plays hockey sometimes. I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> I had to do it. Ah, well, I mean, with any luck, he'll get a chance. Let's let's talk about Gordon a little bit more. Do you think he stays, or do you think he goes this summer? I think he's gone. I honestly, I'm 100% in on Quinville. I think it's going to happen. I I am too. That it just it it's just one of those things. You know, he's one of, if not the greatest, to ever do what he does. You know, he's the guy that you say. You know, you tell him the name of price. You pull out your checkbook. You sign that check and give it to him. Whatever number he says, and get behind that bench and whip these assholes into shape. You know, that's right. what they need. They need a voice in there that's gonna take this team you know i think they got very comfortable with dave axtell and they seem to be getting comfortable with gordon and i don't know they just need a guy with some fire behind that bench and i think quinville is not only the obvious choice but the best choice yeah just give him a blank comcast check yep and let him fill it out because this guys like these do not come around i mean it's we would be very lucky to get him i think um I've I've been hearing things about if if the Leafs aren't able to make it out of the first round, Babcock's job might be might be uh, on the chopping block. So I I don't know how you feel about him, but it's it's possible he's another option come summertime. I mean, I would take him over Gordon. Yeah, I, I think Gordon is good at working with prospects and kids. I just don't think that he brings anything different to the NHL. I think. He let the kids play, which Dave Haxtell did not do. And that alone made this team better. I don't think yeah. he, as a coach, brings anything special to the table that, you know, your average guy can't do. I think we were so just beat up by Haxtell's yep. tenure that Scott Gordon doing normal coach things was amazing to us. I mean, pulling the goalie with more than 50 seconds remaining. <laughs> wow. Uh, calling a timeout, amazing. Yeah, I think that's the thing. When you have somebody as incompetent as Dave Haxtell, anybody looks good. But I think in the grand scheme of things, he just, he just I don't know, there's still nothing there. And quite frankly, I think they need to 
clean house of all the coaches at this point. I don't think Lappy or Noblot are doing anything, you know, special either. You know, the penalty kill no. is still atrocious. It has gotten better lately, but it's still in the doldrums. I, last time I checked, they were ranked 26th in the league, which is just abysmal. You know, they did have a really poor start, but it's not getting any better. And again, their PK overall isn't that good. Not like they have a, you know, six foot seven penalty killer sitting on the bench or anything that they're not doing anything. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I, I agree. I think Gordon Gordon needs to go. You know, if they can loan him back to the Phantoms, you know, if he would take that, fine. But, you know, I, I heard somebody say that there's a reason why NHL teams were not clamoring for Scott Gordon as a coach. You know, I, I think he just – I don't think he's bad. I just think he's normal. Yeah, and I think he got a little bit, little bit of a luxury taking over the team in the second half because this is a team that historically – has turned on the burners in the second half. I mean, some of that definitely could be attributed to his coaching style. But the the team was going to kind of come back from that slump. Um, and I understand that um, that if you bring in a new coach, he'll likely want to bring in his own assistants. But how do you feel about Rick Wilson so far? I like him. I think he's done a good job. You know, again, I, I it's hard to tell at this point, you know, because these kids are so young and they're still developing and kind of getting their feet wet at the NHL level, you know, the Sanheim and Myers have played very well. It is hard to tell how much of that is Wilson versus how much of that is just kind of being able to play and not have, you know, not having the, uh, the weight of Dave Haxtell on their shoulders. I think he's done a good job, you know, from what I've seen from people that know, uh, you know, that are close to the situation, they do seem to like, you know, they like what he's doing to the team, which is great. You know, if they can keep him, that's fine. I mean, he came out of retirement to take this job in the first place. So um, it's going to be going to be interesting to see what happens this summer with the coaching. Yeah, it's nice to have a GM that can pull strings like that. Yeah, rather than just say, oh, we couldn't get him. <laughs> oh, let's see here. What uh, Summer editions. What do you think the Flyers... What reasonably do you think the Flyers are going to do this summer? I think they're going to throw it all at Panarin. Um, it's, I think it's really going to be up to what he wants. Uh, I, You know, according to reports, he's a little bit picky on where he ends up. But I, I think they should should throw everything at him. I think he's probably one of the, the best that they're going to be able to get. I do think they should stay far away from offer sheets. I think offer sheets are essentially non-existent in today's NHL. You know, I see a lot of people that go, oh, they can offer sheet Braden Point or Mitch Marner, which is great, you know, in theory, because they could afford it. And realistically, the Leafs and, you know, uh, Bolts would have to do some rearranging in order to fit those guys. But I don't know. I don't think offer sheets exist in today's NHL anymore. When was the last time there was an offer sheet? Was it Shea Weber? Has there been one since Shea Weber? There was one after Shea Weber. I, I feel remember. like there was I... one or two after him, but I, I don't remember. Was it Ryan O'Reilly? Was it, was it O'Reilly or was it, maybe it was Paul Stastny. It was somebody in Colorado, wasn't it? Offer yeah, I believe so. sheets. Who have signed offer sheets. Ryan O'Reilly was the only one after Shea Weber, and that was in 2013. It's been been a long time, you know. I think teams value their draft picks a little more now than they used to. I think the idea of you know throwing huge amounts of money at players isn't you know as looked upon as it used to be. But you know, somebody like 
maybe Marner, maybe Point, you know, both those kids would be game changers to an, to an organization. But uh, overall, you know, I, I, I don't think either one of them are going to go offer sheeted. And that's where I disagree. I think I think there's going to be at least one offer sheet made. I think there are teams that are desperate to get their franchise player. And I think Marner could definitely be a franchise player. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I think it'll happen. I hope it's not the Flyers. Uh, let's see here. Toronto Maple Leafs. They, uh, they, oh, they're in some tight caps situations here. They could, if you would offer Sheetham, they would probably need to part with Nylander. Maybe buy out Marlow even. Jeez. They yeah, are... and they have to re-sign Kapanen, I believe, which, they I mean, a... he's not going to take a ton, but. Marner, Kapanen, and Andres Johnson as well. They are, yeah, they got some, uh. They have one, two, three, four defensemen that are as uh, free agents as well. So they got all kinds of bodies to resign there. I don't know. Maybe it would be interesting. Need some drama in this league every once in a while. Absolutely. It's it's nice. I mean, it is nice that we're not in that situation here. It would be nice to be as good as those teams, but it is nice having that thirty-five million cap space with. Just a few guys to re-sign. Oh, man. These offer sheets. Few and far between. 1998 for Sergei Fedorov, and then not again until 2006 with Ryan Kessler. Oh. Hmm. Some history for you, everybody. Don't say you never learn anything on Brotherly Pod. Okay. The uh, Brotherly Puck Awards... I uh, will be writing that piece probably this weekend, early next week, so look for it then. Let's run through uh, your votes for the players thus far. The Mike Knubel Most Improved Player of the Year Award. Do you even need to ask that one? No. That's going to be Scott Lawton. The uh, Chemo Team and MVP Award. Sean Couturier. And do you know who the MVP Award I originally named it after? It wasn't Sam Moran, was it? No, it was Jay Rosehill. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Sam Moran might be more fitting. Ooh, fine, I'll rename it the Sam Moran MVP Award. The <laughs> Simone Gagne Offensive Player of the Year Award. Uh, Claude Giroux. The Samuel Moran Defensive Player of the Year Award. See, I had a tough time with this one. I, I really wanted... You could go any way with it, really. Um, what I've seen out of Phil Myers recently, I wish he would have gotten more games because I think I would have given it to him. But I'm going to go with Travis Sanheim. The Steve Mason Goaltender of the Year Award. Our baby boy, Carter Hart. Yes. I mean, is there any other option at that point? Who am I going to pick? Alex Lyon? Mike McKenna? I mean, Cam Talbot had a good game. Oh, yeah. The 90 minutes he played. Uh, you got the Richards Carter Duo of the Year. I think you got to go TK Nolan on that one. Yep. The uh, Eric Desjardins Unsung Hero Award. Oof, Unsung Hero. I'm going to go with Michael Raffle. That's a good one. Uh, Jason Smith Leadership Award. I think with that one, we're going to have to to tip our hats to Wayne Simmons. There you go. And the Ilya Brizgalov Most Quotable Player. Robert Hag, because at the beginning of the season, I don't know if you remember, there was a preseason game against um, the Islanders, or 
I can't remember who it was was against. It might have been the Islanders. But uh, him and, and Cal Clutterbuck got into a little little uh, fight there. And after the game, he uh, he basically said, I don't like that guy, Shuttlebuck or whatever his name is. I oh, hate that guy. Right. And that was just the best quote I'd ever heard. <laughs> Well, let's talk the Flyers' upcoming games. They play the Islanders tomorrow at 1, the Capitals on Sunday, Maple Leafs on Wednesday, Hurricanes Saturday, Rangers Sunday. They finish up the season against the Stars, Blues, and Hurricanes again. I mean, the odds are still there. 1.6% chance to make the playoffs, but you look at that schedule and... uh, with the exception of the Rangers, all these teams are either in or fighting for a playoff spot. It is uh, not looking promising. No, it's it's going to be a very very tough uphill climb. It's um, I, I'm very excited for for that game against the Islanders just because of the bad blood. Maybe we'll get to see see some exciting hockey as opposed to what we witnessed yesterday. But um, yeah, it's it's going to take a lot. I mean. People like to throw out the word mathematically, as in they're not mathematically out of it. But I think for all intents and purposes, it's it's kind of a, a wrap on the season. Yeah, and, and you know, I get Scott Gordon is coaching for his job and he has to make the moves. But the whole idea that they're going to make the playoffs is just insane. They've They've been five to seven points out for months. You know, I started doing this show, I believe, in late January, and every episode, I sit down and list their playoff percentage and how close they are out of the playoffs, and, you know, they it's been five to seven points. I believe they got as close as three and were as far away as ten, but, you know, for the most part, it's been five to seven for a long time. You know, the Flyers have been on a relatively decent streak since Gordon took over, but the issue is they've gotten no help from anybody. You know, the Hurricanes have played really well. Uh, Pittsburgh played really well. Montreal and Columbus have played well enough to keep their heads above water. And the Flyers did themselves in with, you know, a a poor first three months of the season. Yeah, it's just, it's a little bit too little too late, I Mm -hmm. think. Being, what are they, five points out of the, the second wild card spot? Yep. With eight games remaining. And I think that's Montreal in that second spot. And they also have eight games remaining. And they don't seem to be slowing down much. I mean, Jordan Wheels out there scoring goals. So, oh <laughs> so yeah, I I think it's a it's a wrap. I think as long as Columbus misses the playoffs, I'll be happy. That would be beautiful. <laughs> be fantastic. Carolina, Montreal in the wild card spots right now. Columbus is four points out, which is or Columbus. Well, Columbus is one point out. They're four points above the Flyers. Pardon me. But yeah, I would love nothing more than Columbus to miss. That would be, it's just the chaos that would ensue would be fantastic. I I would almost prefer it more than Flyers making the playoffs at this point. Oh, absolutely. It'd be fantastic. Well, Garrett, it has been fun here Brotherly Pod debut. You want to get some uh, plugs on here? Where can these people find you on Twitter? Uh, Twitter at Garrett, G-A-R-R-E-T-T underscore B-P. So go ahead and follow me for a lot of uh, Scott Lawton content. 
Yes, that's right. You can find me on Twitter at DanLeeFlyerAFan. You can find the site at BrotherlyPuck, BrotherlyPuck.com. You can find this show as well as all the other shows. It's been Crossover Week here. You can listen to the show on Monday with Isaiah from Omi Puckcast. On Wednesday, the Angry Negative Show with Angry Jim and Jack Smith from High and Wide Radio. Uh, this show as well, the old show from last week. I will be back on Tuesday with the Angry and Negative Show. You can find that at Brotherly underscore Pod. All the links for there. You want to count down Carter Arts wins with me? You can do that at Heart Countdown on Twitter. The OMB podcast is at OMB Puck, and I am the president of the Samuel Moran fan club at Might Be Moran. Brotherlypuck.com, also on Twitter, or also on Facebook, rather, uh, facebook.com slash brotherlypuck. Follow us, retweet us, whatever it is people do on Facebook these days. Uh, That has been it for me. I will be back on Tuesday. Until then, good night.